Hello and welcome to Not a Fire Boot Your First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to, so it's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and this week, not only is it a people's choice week, but it's nothing but a slap in the face. No, it's nothing. This is nothing. This is nothing but a fat rat race. Okay. So I am I am going to do a reboot of the film Rat Race, the 2002, I think it's 2002, 2001 or 2002 comedy, ensemble comedy. 2001. Thank you. The two, 2001 ensemble comedy from producer Jerry Bruckheimer, because back in the 90s and early 2000s, people really, really cared about producers, and I think they stopped caring about producers, and then they cared about producers, but only if it was Weinstein, because they wanted to, Weinstein to stop being the producer. Yeah. Anyways, have you ever seen the movie Rat Race? No. Well, have you ever seen the movie It's a Mad, 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 Mad World? No. Cool. I've heard about it. So, Rat Race is a spiritual... Okay, let me... It's a Mad, 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 Mad World is an ensemble comedy from 1963. It starred basically all the big-name comedians of the time. So, um, Milton Berle, Dorothy Praveen, Ethel Merman, Sid Caesar, Edie Adams, Mickey Rooney, Buddy Hackett, Jonathan Winters, Terry Thomas, Peter Falk, Dick Sean, Phil Silvers. A bunch of them. Yeah. So it's a Mad 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 World was about a group of people who they're driving down the highway and then they see a car careen off the cliff and like they go down to check on the guy and he's dying and he's a criminal. He's like, I hid $350,000 under a big W back in like whatever state, I think it was Florida, uh, in Santa Rosita State Park and I hid it under the big W and then he dies. And so like after about 10 minutes of trying to negotiate how they should split the money once they get there, they all just start racing for it. Okay. And so then Rat Race is the spiritual successor to it, is explicitly inspired by it. The premise of Rat Race is that six groups of people find special coins in a Las Vegas casino, and they are able to use them to attend a luncheon with the casino's owner, who announces that they have all been randomly selected to participate in a race from Vegas to New Mexico, where they will each have a key that opens a locker, and inside the locker is a duffel bag, and inside the duffel bag is two million dollars. Whoever gets there first keeps it all. Ready? Go! <laughs> the hotel owner is played by John Cleese. Okay. This was my first exposure to John Cleese as a child, uh, because I hadn't seen any Monty Python stuff yet. Also, this was my first PG-13 movie, and I tried to use that to like flex on my friends, like... I'm only 10 years old. Wait, no, how old is that? Nine. I would have been nine. I'm only nine years old, but my parents let me watch a PG-13 movie. It was Rat Race. And they're like, okay, whatever. Like, I saw Animal House when I was five. <laughs> I mean, I saw a Temple of Doom when I was seven, so. I mean, that was that was the same, but it's like, yeah. at, the, at that age, the boys were less good cared about gore and more cared about titties. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so... The uh, racers in Rat Race are Owen Templeton, played by Cuba Gooding Jr., who is a football referee who the entire country hates because he made a bad call on a coin toss, and that completely changed the outcome of the playoffs. Okay. Then there's Dwayne and Blaine Cody, or should I say Blaine and Dwayne Cody, played (laughs) by Vince Velouf and Seth Green. Vince Velouf, I don't think, has done anything since this. This is very much a 2001 movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Blaine and Dwayne are two con artist brothers who uh, 
are always trying get-rich-quick schemes. Also, Blaine speaks incoherently because of a uh, self-done tongue piercing. Oh, no. He, he put in for a mail-order kit and did it himself. Oh, and no. so his tongue is completely swollen. And the, like, the, they put a prosthetic over his tongue, the sleeve, which made him just talk weirdly already. Yeah. I don't know if it's bad or not. I don't know if it's something I would be changing. Okay. You can very easily draw a line between that and, like, um, just general speaking issues. And I don't know if it's making fun. I generally don't know if it's, like, making fun of them or not. Yeah, because there's a difference between self-inflicted piercing-related speech impediment issues and, I guess, naturally occurring ones. Yeah. Um... So then we've got Vera and Meryl, played by Whippy Goldberg and Lene Chapman. Lene Chapman has also done almost nothing since this. Uh, Meryl is Vera's long-lost daughter, and they just met for the first time. Okay. And Meryl is trying to launch her own business, which I like Meryl. Vera and Meryl don't get a lot of screen time because they only really have two set pieces in this movie. Yeah. Um, but mind you, it's, it's an ensemble comedy. Everyone only gets like two or three set pieces. Um, but I really felt it with Vera and Meryl because it's like, we never get to dig into like, it's a mother who gave her daughter up for adoption. And then years later, they finally reconnected. And like, Vera is kind of like a woo woo. She goes to her psychic and she believes in signs and stuff. And Meryl is very much down to earth, straight laced businesswoman. Um, in her first scene, she ends up crushing her phone with her bare hand because the person on the other line couldn't like, close a deal fast enough. Huh. And Vera's like, oh, honey, you broke your phone. And Meryl's like, that's all right. I have spares. <laughs> and I, I like that. I feel like this. Oh, yeah. And then like near the end, they're stuck on a bus and the person running. And so they're stuck on a bus for like people in a mental care home. And the doctor running the bus is like, you can't go out because like it's not safe for you. You're you're uh, medically impaired. And they're like, no, we're not medically impaired. We just were got to like woozy because we had to ride a rocket car. Oh yeah, they stole a rocket car. They had to steal the rocket car um, <laughs> because. <laughs> okay, no. Let me... The point is, Vera also has a temper. It is just varied under a lot of woo-woo stuff. Yeah. Um. We'll get back to them. We're gonna get back to everyone. Anyways, then we've got the pair family. It's John Lovitz and Kathy Najimi play Randy and Bev, who are on vacation with their kids, who do not matter. Um. <laughs> Randy basically tricks them into taking their family vacation from Vegas into a road trip to New Mexico. And he does not tell them about the race. Oh, no. And so then he has to, like, basically force them to do terrible stuff without revealing. Have you ever heard the term prairie dog in it? Yep. Yeah, this is where this is the movie where that comes from. It's because his daughter has to go and he just has her go out the window. <laughs> The, they sound like the worst versions of the Griswolds. Yeah. And the pair family I have, I have notes. I have multiple notes because uh, they, they are, they're obviously Jewish. It's Randy, no, it's John Lovitz and Kathy Najimi. And mm. I do not know how much of this falls into the greedy Jewish person stereotype. On mm. the other hand, when they accidentally go to the Nazi museum... So, so there's a they pass a sign that says Barbie Museum next exit, and the daughter's like, "Please, can we go to the Barbie Museum?" And uh, Randy's like, "No, we're not going to go to the stupid Barbie Museum. I, I bet your brother doesn't want to go to the Barbie Museum." And the brother's like, "We have been driving for hours. I will go to any fucking museum we see." And then they all berate the father into going to the Barbie Museum because he's been a terrible dad this whole time. And then they're stuck in a museum for Klaus Barbie. 
And so they're like, they're awkwardly walking through there. They're like, this is terrible. This is terrible. This is terrible. And then when they're finally able to get out, they find that their car has been sabotaged by Blaine and Dwayne. So they end up stealing Hitler's Mercedes Benz <laughs> and wrecking it. So on the one hand, I'm very uncomfortable having a, a story where first off has a greedy Jewish person stereotype and also sticks them in the situation, but also a love and opportunity to destroy Hitler's car and also possibly destroy more of the museum. Yeah. There is a point where Blaine and Dwayne get a monster truck, so if we rearrange the some events <laughs> a few times. And I mean, a museum having one of Hitler's cars isn't that special. Canada's own war museum has one of his limousines. Yeah, but there's a difference between we have this because it is a piece of historical thing, and we have this because we just love Hitler. Yeah, that's true. Um, then we've got Nick Schaefer, played by Breckenmeyer. Okay. <laughs> I think this was his big break, which says a lot about Breckenmeyer. Huh. Um, and he initially isn't racing at all, and he's just like, so like, he like, is like just casually in the airport. He starts flirting with a pilot named Tracy, played by Amy Smart, and he's like, I'm not going to worry about going anywhere. And then uh, Blaine and Dwayne, in one of their schemes, end up completely destroying the uh, aircraft control center. Okay. So nobody can fly to Silver City, so everyone has to drive. And then Nick's like, so I guess you won't be flying anytime soon. And Tracy's like, no, I'm a helicopter pilot. We use a different system. He's like, you can fly. No one else can fly. But nobody else can fly. And you're going to New Mexico. No one else can go to New Mexico. But you can go to New Mexico. Hey, can you take me to New Mexico? <laughs> and then <laughs> the excuse is that he has to visit his sister in the hospital. And she's like, what happened to her? And he's like, shark attack. <laughs> They've got a great program in New Silver City. For shark attacks. Okay. And then they end up crashing their helicopter because she takes a detour to visit her boyfriend, and her boyfriend is played by Dean Kane, and she sees him cheating on her. So she chases him through town with the helicopter while he's on a, in a truck. Oh my god! <laughs> well, classical music is playing in the background. This sounds like a scene out of... Freaking Fast and the Furious. The helicopter scene from Rat Race is iconic. <laughs> Amy Smart goes completely feral. <laughs> she just, just starts, she's hucking like wrenches and like random shit from the helicopter cabin onto the truck to demolish it. She hands Nick a paint can. She's like, oh, you need to open this. Like, I don't feel comfortable with this. Open it. Okay. <laughs> She manages to make the guy crash the truck, and then, like, the helicopter, like, drops a bunch of alarms, and she lands, she's like, oh, we just broke about a hundred federal laws. What do you mean, we? <laughs> she's like, I'm gonna go steal this truck, do you want to come with me? Uh, and then she kisses him, he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then she gets to punch out Dean Kane, which is just the cherry on top. And yeah, and then they- st So we're keeping all of that. We're keeping all of that. N not Dean Kane because I don't want to have to pay him, but a Dean Kane lookalike. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last contestant is Enrico Pollini from Italy. Uh, he's played by Rowan Atkinson. He has narcolepsy, which means that right at the start of the movie, he falls asleep in the hotel lobby, and then he is not referenced for another 45 minutes. Wow. <laughs> and then he starts. Um... And then he ends up, like, hitching a ride with an organ donor van um, run by Newman. I can't remember the actor's name. Okay, so is he more Mr. Bean, then? No, he's a silly Italian man. Okay. 
But he, he's definitely Mr. Bean's personality, is that he, he speaks, and he is Italian. He is Enrico Pollini. Okay. It's a race. It's a race. I'm winning. I'm winning. <laughs> oh, look, a drifter. Let's kill him. <laughs> now, on to... So that's the basic premise. Now, the medium I want to choose. First off, I want to make this a miniseries. Okay. And second off, I want to make it, like, kind of Rashomon style. Mm-hmm. In the sense that the first episode is introduce all the characters and introduce the premise and everyone goes. And then every episode after that is just focusing on every team's, per se, entire length, their entire attempt to get from Vegas to New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Because that, if we stretch that into like an hour, even into like 45 minutes, yeah. we can include all the major set pieces they had in the movie. We can introduce some other antics they have to get up to, but we can also have like actual character moments. Like we can find out about like, a better idea of the relationship between Vera and Meryl. We can find out a little bit more about Blaine and Dwayne's family life. We can, if we want to keep Owen, because Owen is one of the more boring characters, but he has fun set pieces, but we can just put some more depth to Owen beyond just Ref who made a bad call. Yeah. Um, and then with Nick and Tracy, we can expand on their romance, because they have a romance. Um, also, so the first change I'm making is that Nick is now a girl. Because the only way to really improve on the helicopter scene is if it was also sapphic. Yes. Um, and then the other change I want to make, the Pear family. Remember when I said this was inspired by Mad 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 World? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I might take the Pear family out and replace them with one of the teams from It's a Mad 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 World, which are a milk toast edible seaweed salesman, J. Russell Finch, his voice of reason wife, Emmeline, and her mother, Mrs. Marcus. Okay. Now, two reasons why I want to do this. One of them is that... Well, three reasons. One of them is that they are kind of like the most iconic team from the original. Mm-hmm. It's them and the guys played by Mickey Rooney and Buddy Hackett just because they're literally just Blaine and Dwayne. Yeah. Like, Blaine and Dwayne are a clear reference to them. Especially with, uh, in the original, Dingy and Benji end up having to fly a plane themselves, and you can draw a direct parallel from that to Blaine and Dwayne crashing the airport control. Also, yeah, this, so this was, like, made in early 2001 and released in, like, summer of 2001, so obviously, yeah, they could just zip in there and do that. Yeah. So that is, we are gonna have to figure out a way for the teams to not be flying. Actually, I kind of have a way, but we need a reason for the teams to not be able to fly. Yeah. And so... Yeah, so Russell, Emmeline, and Mrs. Marcus. So they also, another reason is they still have that d- um, disgruntled family dynamic going on mm-hmm. that we can use to put, replace the pairs. With the pairs, um, I think I might just make one of the other teams explicitly Jewish as well so that they can demolish the Klaus Barbie Museum yeah. without falling into just the stereotypical greedy Jewish person trope. Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, everyone's greedy. They're in a race for $2 million. But it's like... yeah. You watch the movie, and that's the way it gets played up with Randy especially. Um, and then later the whole family. Like, once the whole family figures out what's going on, they are all in on it. Mm-hmm. And just, it's it's just weird. So, br- yeah, bring in the Finch family. But th- the third major reason is that, so Emmeline, in the entirety of It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, she is basically just getting dragged along by everyone. Like, first she's being dragged along by her husband, and then... Her mother decides that her husband isn't worth it, and so her mother takes Emmeline, and they hook up with her brother, and they're gonna go find it. But Emmeline is still being dragged along with this, and, like, 
we get to the end scene where all the people like running around the park trying to find the big W and like they're all trying to hide from each other. Meanwhile, Emmeline is just literally just stomping right through the middle of the park and like goes to the water fountain to cool off because she is just so sick of everything. She's so done. <laughs> and and then she looks up and she sees like this copse of palm trees and they just happen to like go up at certain angles that hey, that's the big W. Oh. Um, and it's around this time where the closest thing to the film's antagonist shows up, who's like a cop that has been following this whole thing, and he's slowly become more unhinged as he realizes that they're getting closer to the money, but also that his pension isn't coming in when the way he thought it would. Mm-hmm. So there's this uh, Captain Culpepper walks up to her, and she's like, are you with the other races? And like, yes, I, I suppose I am. What's wrong, miss? You look like you've seen a ghost. Oh, it's just, uh, I know where the money is. Uh, I, no one else knows where it is, but I know where it is. And if we get dug it up, then I can keep half and you can keep half. And, you know, I could use that money to get away finally. And I'd have some peace and quiet and no one would ever bother me. Um, and then it's like shortly after that, the other people all see the big W2 and they all like race at it as well. Mm-hmm. And so then the cop is like, oh, I'm sorry, miss. It appears you're too late. And she's like, oh, well, it was a nice dream anyways. Lasted almost five minutes. Oh. And it's like, yo, and this is the 60s too. So it's like, yo, oh no, I didn't expect to feel something like right in the 11th hour of this three hour long madcap comedy film. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'd be more interesting if we put Emmeline in there and stuck her with her like terrible mother and her terrible husband and just had her deal with stuff. Yes. So yeah, those are the main things. Um, The other thing. Another thing I want to change with this is, so, John Cleese's character, Donald Sinclair, the yeah. eccentric billionaire who runs everything. Okay. Shortly after we begin, we learn that this is just another bet that he is running for his other billionaire friends. Like, everyone's running off, and he, like, turns to this group of rich guys, and, like, it's a horse race with animals who think, and lie, and cheat, <laughs> and play dirty. <laughs> It's like the most dangerous game, but nobody dies. Yes, they just get put into horrible uh, situations sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then throughout the film, we also see that they're, like, all doing ludicrous bets. Like, there's one where... Dave Thomas. You know Dave Thomas? Yes. <laughs> of Bob and Doug fame? Yep. Uh, he plays Harold Grisham, Sinclair's attorney. <laughs> Tragically born without a personality. <laughs> So there's one scene where he, like, invites a sex worker into his hotel suite, and she's like, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, we'll get in a hot tub full of Pepto-Bismol, and then I will wax your eyebrows, and you will trim my buttocks. How much would that cost? And she's like, wow, that's weird as hell. Um, $3,000. And then, like, all the billionaires, like, emerge from their hiding places in the room, like, all right, who had $3,000? Oh, well, Mr. Gibbons had 2800 without getting over, so he's the winner. Oh, yay! And Vicky's just saying, the, the sex worker's name is Vicky's like, what the hell is happening? Um, <laughs> at the end of the movie, they all, like, they all get to the locker at the same time, and they open it up to find it empty, and they're like, where's the money? And then it cuts to Vicky and Grisham fighting over the duffel bag, and she's like, run away with me. I know you secretly love me. He's like, damn it, you're right, I do. And then they just steal the money, and so then, like, all the other racers decide to team up, and they, I don't know how, but they somehow end up with a double-decker bus. <laughs> They've stolen a bus. And <laughs> they, they stole they're a chasing, bus. They chase them down because the money then ends up in a hot air balloon. 
attached to Monroe from Grimm and a cow. Okay. This is all stuff that happened in the original movie. So let me let me down the, the break down the set people that everyone goes through. So I told you about Nick and Tracy having to do the whole helicopter chase. Their next yeah. set piece is that um, their car ends up shot by accident. Uh, I think it was a stray bullet from when the bikers attacked the pairs when they were in the bends because uh, Randy accidentally flipped them off. Um, but Nick and Tracy's car, uh, they have to make a patch for it, and then the gas station attendant who gave them the supplies tries to charge them for $500, and they're like, this is terrible, you're a crook, this is so unchristian. And he's like, well, if God, if God doesn't like the way I do business, then let him strike me down! Um, and that's when uh, Vera and Meryl fly past him in the rocket car <laughs> and completely demolish his gas station. Good on them. Yes. Um, the reason they're in the rocket car is because they were trying to get directions and they come across a lady with a whole bunch of squirrels. Okay. She's played by Kathy Bates. You know what? That seems fitting. And uh, she's like, do you want to buy a squirrel? Like, we don't want a fucking squirrel. Just tell us how to get to the interstate. Oh, sure, you just go this way. And then they follow her directions and end up plummeting into a ravine. And as they do, they see signs that say, you should have bought a squirrel. <laughs> and then they crash into a whole pile of other cars and an actual skeleton falls out of one of them. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> So then they stumble upon a demonstration of scientists trying to break the land speed record, and they've got this rocket car set up, and they sneak into it by pretending to be, like, the Price is Right vamp ladies. I know that this came out in 2001, but, like, the stuff feels like it appeared in a Simpsons episode at some point. <laughs> that seems right. <laughs> But yeah, so they steal the rocket car, and that gets them almost to Silver City. And then, like I mentioned, they end up on... Because they're all completely delirious, they end up on a bus for uh, mental health patients. And then they have to break out of the bus, because Vera, like, grabs the doctor and, like, unleashes the same rage that Meryl had at the beginning. And Meryl's like, oh, yeah, cool, Mom also gets angry. Nice. <laughs> um, also, obviously, because it's Whoopi Goldberg and Lynn A. Chapman, you know they're black. But I like the fact that they, them flying off the handle isn't, like, angry black woman angry, if that makes sense. It's just normal person has finally had enough it's not yeah like they don't play it up as a stereotype yeah it's, it's like that so that's what i was trying to say is like yeah. you can you can tell when some things are falling into a stereotypical portrayal compared to other stuff and this is where it was like it didn't feel like them saying no we got to do the black angry black woman thing like no it's just these are two women who have had it up to here and yeah. <laughs> vera, vera might have like a higher threshold but it has been hit yes um, so, da, 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 that's them. The Pear family, uh, yeah, their big set piece was the Prairie Dog in it, and then the Nazi Museum. Um, and then, oh, then they, so that, then they get attacked by bikers, because Randy burns his middle finger and accidentally flips them off, and then they end up crashing into a World War II veteran convention. And this is also after Randy got a lighter in his mouth that burned his tongue, and his head slammed on a, the steering wheel, which had lipstick on it, which gave him a little mustache looking. So basically, it looks like he crashes this thing as a Hitler impersonator. And the whole thing is like, in 2001, I'm sure it was funny, but now it just feels like weird. Nazi yeah. Huber, in general, is weird. These days? Because they're still here. <laughs> like, I'm not above pointing out how ridiculous the OG Nazis were. Yeah, like, that's that's the thing, is that it can be... I'm not going to say it can't be done, because it can be when it's at their expense. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that Goering actually did in real life that is fucking hilarious because it is so dumb. But I feel like a lot of the the jokes about them from back in the day, when I say back in the day, I mean the early 2000s, it was like, oops, I accidentally looked like a Nazi. Isn't that wacky? Yeah, no, no. I would rather hear a bad rendition of Hitler's only got one ball. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, Owen Templeton, the referee guy. But okay, yeah. so here's a question, because I don't do sports. If a referee made a bad call, would he be hated by the entire nation? Um, definitely the fans of the team he screwed over, especially if it was very egregious. Like, there's... Oh, there was this one Super Bowl that involved the New Orleans Saints. There was a, a really bad call made, and oh boy, Oh boy, um, I don't think those refs are ever going to be refing games involving those uh, involving the Saints. Also, there was the one time with the FIFA. Uh, I'm still mad about this because <laughs> I saw it. So uh, France was playing Ireland, and one of the French players, the ball was in the air, and he smacks it down, and he is not the goalie, and they get away with it. Uh oh! Disqualifying Ireland from the FIFA World Cup. Oh, oh no! <laughs> I will never forgive the French team for that. <laughs> All right, so then yes, Owen can still be a referee. Yeah. <laughs> so first, he ends up with a cabbie who lost a lot of money on that game, and then when the cabbie realizes who the ref is, he abandons him in the middle of the desert and steals his pants. Okay, I also think we have to establish, like, what team was involved, so I'm thinking, like, Green Bay Packers, um, or the Eagles, because Philadelphia fans are fucking animals. <laughs> um, or, oh, maybe this is a universe where, like, uh, Buffalo gets into the Super Bowl again, and it was his call that screwed them over. Again. <laughs> but yeah. Um, stealing his pants. Um, that's appropriate justice. Yeah. And so then he, he wanders through the desert and he comes across a truck stop um, that, is, that currently only has a bus full of Lucy's. Oh! They're, they're all headed to the I Love Lucy convention in Silver City, New Mexico! Oh my god, I love Lucy cosplayers. <laughs> it's just a, it's, it is a bus full of Lucy cosplayers. <laughs> um, and so Owen basically tricks the um, bus driver into giving him his uniform because he says, Lucy's having a baby. <laughs> I, I need your pants. What do you need my pants for? For the, 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 the sack, the, the placenta. And, just, and he, like, he does a whole bunch of like horrible noises and like miming just the horrors of pregnancy in order to trick the bus driver to giving him all of his clothes to like catch the stuff and clean up the baby oh my god and so then so yeah so now this bus driver is abandoned at this bus stop while owen like just rides onto the bus like all right i'm your new driver uh, the old bus driver had to go he's <laughs> his wife's having a baby <laughs> and he drives lucy's there at some point they drive over a speed bump so then the latch on the bathroom is broken um, and then at another point, the like he refuses to do a pit stop for one of the Lucys, 
And he's like, just use the washroom in the back. And the lease is like, well, the latch is broken. And he's like, well, you don't have anything looses haven't seen before. And it's like, haha, transphobia. Um, and then the cow hits the bus. Okay. <laughs> um, so we are obviously taking that part out. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, I know what a cow can do to a vehicle. It is not pretty. Yeah, okay, well, to be... I don't know if it's to be fair or not, but this is the same cow that's suspended by the hot air balloon. That's true. And that causes the bus to crash. Um, and then they try to cheer... All the Lucys try to cheer him on. <laughs> and then the... He can't get the spare installed, and then the, the spare runs away and, like, rides on the highway because the Lucys were trying to help. And they all, like... There's the 50 people just go... And then Owen, like, yells at them and screams at them. And then they realize that you're not a real bus driver. You ruined our whole vacation! And then an army of Lucy's chase him down the highway. <laughs> Eventually, he escapes by stealing a horse and cowboying his the rest of the way to Silver City. In a deleted scene, he sneaks into a mobile home owned by Diamond Dallas Page the Wrestler. Okay. So I feel like because we need to add set pieces, we can just put that one in there, except not Diamond... So the reason the Diamond Dallas Page scene was deleted was because no one in the test audience knew who Diamond Dallas Page was. Yeah, I feel like you definitely have to have a better known wrestler. I certainly don't know who Diamond Dallas Page is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What's Undertaker doing? <laughs> I have no idea, but I feel we could, we could, if we couldn't get him, we could probably license his appearance and then just put someone else in the makeup. Yes. Hey, if they're not tall enough, we could just put them in, in platform boots. Yes, exactly. So, I, yeah, obviously we're going to take the transphobic joke out of the Lucy scene. Because also, also like, I'm pretty sure Lucille Ball is a drag icon anyways. Yeah. You can't get onto a bus full of Lucys and assume that some of them are not going to be, like, men or trans women or something like that. Mm-hmm. Today's gender is just Lucille Ball. Yeah. So I think it, it is just going to be Owen driving recklessly on this huge, like, it's it's like a Greyhound bus, and he does not know how to drive a Greyhound bus, and so he ends up just wrecking the bus because he doesn't know how to drive a goddamn bus. Yeah. So yeah, those are Owen's set pieces. Um, Enrico Pellini, I already mentioned that he was asleep for half of it, and then he catches a ride with the uh, organ donor guy, Wayne Knight. Mm -hmm. They accidentally lose the heart that they're transporting. Okay. And so when when they find it, it's been, like, chewed on by a wolf and then, like, electrocuted on a fence and has, like, qu a quarter in there. <laughs> and like, we can't take this back. <laughs> a person will die as soon as it's put in them. And then uh, the driver is like, wait, what if you find a drifter? Well, cut out his heart. And then Enrico's like, but where do we find the drifter here? And then the, the, the organ donor guy is like, do you have any family? No. My mother is dead. My father is also dead. I am completely alone. Why do you ask? And there's an awkward pause. Hey, look, a drifter, let's kill him. And then he just runs. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow he jumps on to, like, a train, like a full-speed train. Okay. Um, and then there's a joke in there where, like, he gives his key to a baby, and then the baby sticks it in his diaper, and he tries to get the key back, and everyone assumes the worst, and he gets kicked off the train. And it's like, that's also... It's not as funny these days. It yeah. wasn't probably wasn't that funny back then, but now we know it's not that funny. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what other set pieces to get for Enrico, but the important thing is that I do think Enrico should still be a funny Italian, because funny foreigner still works as long as it's a specific kind of European. Yeah. I think we should replace him with Ariana Grande. <laughs> now here are our options. 
<laughs> so, okay. So first off, there is a joke at the beginning of the movie where Enrico is introducing himself to everybody. Like, I know what you're thinking. Enrico is a girl's name. <laughs> so we could just have Ariana Grande playing Enrico Polini, and just because she is Italian, so yeah. she just load up more and more Italianness on her. Here's oh, yeah. another option. Because while I was looking at Rat Race and its Mad Bad Mad Bad World, I did also find other movies with similar premises. One okay. of them is the Cannonball Run. Oh yeah, the, the Cannonball Run is based on a real illegal street race from like New York to LA, no LA to New York, um, and they made a movie about it. The guy who participated in the race made a movie about the Cannonball Run, and it has a variety of colorful characters, like, racing from one end of the country to the other. Yeah. And one of those characters is Roger Moore. Oh. So, for originally, they were going to have one of the characters just be James Bond, and then they couldn't get the race to James Bond, but they did cast Roger Moore. So then the trailer is like, and starring Burt Reynolds, uh, Farrah Fawcett, Dean Martin, George Firth, Jackie Chan, Jamie Farr, and Roger Moore as himself. And then it's like Roger Moore assuming a fight sense. I'm Sir Roger Moore. And then he just gets the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> so my other option is that Ariana Grande is playing Ariana Grande. Yeah. <laughs> but all the all, like the, the original joke is still there. She's still extremely Italian. She does still have narcolepsy. <laughs> she's very uh is she still playing Ariana Grande? She's very New Jersey Italian. <laughs> <laughs> or or she she What if what if we get the okay from Paramount? What if Paramount I don't think no, this was made by Fox, but if we can get the okay from Fox and then the okay from Paramount, it's not Ariana Grande playing Ariana Grande, and it's not Ariana Grande playing Enrico Pellini. It is Ariana Grande playing Cat from Victorious. <laughs> <laughs> because she was totally flighty and that was her first big break, and she always talked like this, and you could tell there was, wasn't a lot about going on in her head. Okay. Also, she's <laughs> not from Jersey as I had thought. She is from Boca Raton, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then there were, uh, Blaine and Dwayne set pieces. So yeah, first they, they're late to get a rental car that no, like there's no cars left to rent. And so then they decide if, if we're not flying out of there, then neither are they and neither are us and neither are they. And so they, yeah, they tear down the, like the air traffic control dish so that none of the flights can get out. And then they drive and then they have this idea, like, we'll get two keys and we'll split up. And then we have, we double our chances of winning. <laughs> and so then they loudly talk about their plan and like the two million dollars. And so then the guy who's doing the key copy, uh, played by Silas Warren Mitchell from Grimm. <laughs> He's not from Grimm yet because this is 2001, but he will be from Grimm. Yeah. He steals the key and gives them two fake keys. So they chase him down and they end up chasing him into a cow field while <laughs> he tries to get away on a hard air balloon. Okay. And in the ensuing fight, the guy... Falls out of the hard air balloon, but gets tied up in, like, the rope, so he's just suspended by this balloon, and then the rope also hooks onto the leg of a cow, so then the cow is also suspended from the balloon. <laughs> oh, God. So it is just this guy and the cow just, like, flying. Every so often, we just cut to the balloon, like, help, get me down! <laughs> <laughs> also, at some point, Dwayne gets stuck, like, tied in there with them, and they, they have a fight, and one of the, like, Dwayne ends up squirting the udder in the other guy's face. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so then, while they're driving away, uh, they get distracted because, uh, Blaine sees a, another girl with a tongue piercing, 
and then she like shows off her other piercing and he shows off his other piercings and then she like flashes him and she has like this whole chain situation going on with her boobs and everything and they get distracted and they end up accidentally driving into the middle of a monster truck rally and almost die oh okay and then they steal a monster truck i mean good on then yes (laughs) so those are the set pieces that we have to work with and obviously we can introduce new stuff my thinking with when I say I want to be Rashomon, like I said, I want it to be um, every episode is focusing on a different team per se and just seeing all the stuff they go through and it tracks their whole thing from Vegas or from, yeah, from Vegas to Silver City. Okay. And so like a single episode will have Nick and Tracy like meet, doing their meet cute and then flying the helicopter out and doing the chase and yeah. then they have to stop. They get conned by the one guy and then I'm... Th- what I'm thinking is the rocket car is still going to go past them, but I'm thinking going to move things around so that um, Blaine and Dwayne end up in... Blaine and Dwayne... No, that doesn't work because they're Connor, so I don't want them to be the Jewish ones either. Maybe it's Nick and Tracy are Jewish, and okay. that can also be part of their meet-cute. Yeah. So then instead of them having to deal with the shitty gas station attendant, they're the ones who accidentally end up in the Barbie museum somehow. Like they're... Oh, okay. So they can siphon gas from there... Because that was another thing they had to do, is they had to siphon gas, and they end up do- siphoning, it, siphoning it from a cop. So, hell yeah. yeah. Um, but now, but in this one, they end up siphoning the gas from, like, one of the cars at the Nazi museum, and then they end up having to, like, sneak through there so that another team doesn't realize that they're there, and then they're just caught in this horrible, horrible thing, like, oh, oh no, what do we do? Like, this, this is terrible. And then, like, another team can come by. Like, and the, see, the, part of the fun will be that they're, the stories are still going to crisscross with each other, but yeah. we won't necessarily know the context until we see the next episode. Yeah. So we can see uh, Nikki and Tracy siphon gas from a cop, and then they have to stop and hide at this museum that they don't realize is a Nazi museum until they are inside it. And they basically just kind of get like shoved along with another tourist group, and they're like, this is terrible, this is terrible, this is horrible. Um, and then they finally get out, they see that another team has stopped by and siphoned their gas. Oh, no. So then in another episode, we'll see that they're like, oh, yeah, it um it was uh, Vera and Meryl had to stop and siphon their gas <laughs> from it. And they're like, what? are you sure that this is going? Like, yeah, it's fine. I mean, and they stopped at a Nazi museum. Like, clearly something has gone wrong here. Mm-hmm. And then in another episode, we'll, uh, we'll have it, the order be rearranged so that Blaine and Dwayne can then run over the museum with their monster truck. Yes. Um, the pair family plots are just kind of being distributed to other people. Yeah. Um, but we can bring in the... Emmeline and Co. plots as well. Yeah. Oh, you know what? We could have Emmeline, like, it, like at some point she'll abandon her uh, mother and her husband and end up teaming up with someone else. Like, she could team up with Owen or she could team up with um, <laughs> Ariana Grande. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that could be the family that has to deal with the shitty gas station attendant. And then, yeah, like, Rocket Car can still go through the same way. Um, it's just that the, the Rocket Car covers so much distance. Yeah. Basically, Viral and Meryl, Vera and Meryl need like another set piece after that isn't just ending up on the bus with the mental care patients. Okay. Oh, so maybe because Meryl is trying to get her business started, like they could like just happen upon one of the companies that she's trying to do business with, or one of the, yeah, one of the companies she's trying to like incorporate into her business or however it works, like that she's trying to establish a deal deal with, and she's like trying to use that as leverage, and they're like. But you're like just, just two random women that walked out of the desert. You're covered in sand. You're completely bedraggled. Uh, you seem to, to have some kind of fear response to squirrels. Okay. 
And and that can be when Vera like let's like my daughter works her butt off and she has done everything right. I should have bought a scroll. We didn't buy a scroll. That's why we stole the rocket car. And you listen here. We need to borrow your car now. We're gonna get to Silver City, New Mexico. <laughs> and I was like, damn. Well, maybe I should hire you to negotiate. <laughs> um, let's see who else do we have? Uh, da da. Busful Lucy's. Dwayne and Blaine. Oh, okay. So here's here's another change that I, I thought of like just before we started recording. Okay. I still kind of want to keep the um, Blaine and Dwayne aren't the brightest bulbs, but Blaine is just slightly smarter than Dwayne. Yeah. He's slightly smarter and slightly nicer. Yeah. I kind of want to just give everyone a little bit of a hero upgrade, uh, or like at least all the racers a hero upgrade. Um, and that that does kind of include Emmeline and her family. Like at like near the end, she can reconverge with the family. Be like, hey, you like you need to stop and think about why I abandoned y'all and yes. teamed up with someone else to win the money. And they can be like, oh dang, like that's that's another reason why having a full episode to explore this kind of stuff would really help. Mm-hmm. But Blaine and Dwayne, instead of Blaine having the piercing, I'm thinking maybe Blaine is just deaf. And so okay. then if, if anyone is like, oh, I can't understand you, now you're the asshole. Yeah. So yeah, another reason why he falls in love with the piercing girl is because she also has a piercing that makes her a little unintelligible. Mm-hmm. And he can still be very all punky pierced and stuff, and he can still fall in love with punky pierced girl who is also deaf. And so their meet cute can also involve sign language. And so he starts signing at her, and that's why the car veers off the road into a monster truck thing. <laughs> the other big thing. So... <laughs> Inspired by the fact that I was looking through the TV Tropes page, one of the TV Tropes entries on the Your Mileage May Vary says that Donald Sinclair is a designated villain because he was just a billionaire trying to have fun. Nah, you can go full villain with that. Yeah, and so that's... Remember when I said I had an idea of how to keep people from just flying from point A to point B? This is how. Donald Sinclair, like, he never interferes with the race in the movie. Yeah. In this show, in this miniseries, he is absolutely interfering. He is, like, having Harold Grisham sneak around and, like, do uh, sabotage on a bunch of things just to make things more interesting. Yeah. And then we'll also find out that, like, the the betting that's going on is basically just his plan to siphon funds from the other billionaires into himself. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I haven't told you how the original movie ends yet. No. So the original movie ends with, like, everyone chasing the bag, and they finally get a hold of the bag, and they, they somehow, like... The bag is just on top of the stage, and they're able to grab a hold of it and, like, crash on the stage, and they find all the money. And then all the lights flare up, and Smash Mouth is there. Oh my god! <laughs> and they're doing a Feed the Children charity concert, and when when the, the racers announce that they're going to share the money, they think they take that to mean they are donating the money. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they're like, we're not, we don't want to donate the money, but then, like, the, the starving children come out, and it's like, Thank you so much. You're just like the twelve disciples, and they're like, "Oh no, adorable children." Fine, we'll give the money to charity. And then Dwayne's like, "No, I'm not giving up my money." And that's when Blaine is like, "Come on, Dwayne, think of the starving children and mom up in heaven." <laughs> and so he finally like puts the money in, and then Donald Sinclair like and all his billionaires are in the background, and Nick's boss and like he grabs him and drags him out like. Hey, you know, we just donated $2 million, but, you know, this wouldn't be possible for Donald Sinclair. And, you know, he could have he could have been up in Vegas doing ridiculous bets with all his billionaire friends. But he has decided to donate $10 billion, or $1 billion to this charity because he was so inspired by your work. And Donald Sinclair was like, yeah, yes, yes. What? 
<laughs> and yeah, apparently you can just tell someone that the billionaire is donating money, and they have to. <laughs> yep. Which I guess, you know what, it kind of works, especially nowadays, it can work because it'd be like, they have to show the receipts showing that they did actually donate the, this amount of money to charity, and it wouldn't be like, like the actual- if this is a concert, all of the phones are out. Exactly. And see, it wouldn't be like billionaires donating these, or it's like, Jeff Bezos donated $300,000 to charity. He's so hot. And stuff like that. Because, like, no, that's nothing to them. But if you actually, like, have the statement saying they had to pay the all the money. Yes. <laughs> we are forcibly taxing billionaires. Look, the uh, videos went up about five minutes after your appearance. Um, and there's about two million of them, and YouTube is not willing to scrub them. Yeah, and then, like, we can have basically an epilogue at the end of the final episode. Because the final, like, everyone's episode is going to end with them seeing Silver City on the horizon. Yeah. And so we're, like, the final episode will start with them all running to the locker, and then they have to chase down Harold and Vicky and get the money, and then there's the oh, Smash Mouth. It won't be Smash Mouth. I don't know who the modern equivalent of Smash Mouth is. Uh... Is it Big Time Rush? <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're already considering getting a deal with Nickelodeon for Cat to show up. I mean, yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so another thing that Team Trump said is like, the, the, all these people are so happy to donate two million dollars to charity, but they're not going to be so happy when all their illegal stuff comes to light. And like the epilogue can show that they basically leveraged the charity stuff and like all the evidence they have that they were put in these positions by Don Sinclair because he was like maneuvering things behind the scenes to make the race more interesting, quote unquote. Yeah. And so, basically, they can, they get immunity by throwing him under the bus, and because he has this high, highly publicized trial, literally the only thing that can possibly protect him is the goodwill from donating a bunch of money to this charity. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is how it would work in real life, but I like to dream. Yes. This is a universe where public shaming actually works. I like to dream that an absolutely feral bisexual helicopter pilot can punch out Dean Kane and then fall in love with another girl who will then use that to leverage a billionaire into losing all of his money. Yes. Um, so that, that's all I can think of, unless you can think of like other wacky set pieces that they could get involved in. Uh, something, something Elvis impersonator at some point. Hmm. Yes, I do like the idea of an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> Who, who Who's lacking in some stuff? I think, what if it was like, okay, do you know Adventures in Babysitting? Yes. So what if Ariana Grande ends up in a situation where it's like nobody gets out of here without seeing the blues, but it's like she gets trapped in some kind of like motel and she can't get out unless she outsings an Elvis impersonator? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this can also be where uh, Emmeline sneaks away from her family and teams up with her. I, I can see how this is going to be framed, where it's almost like something from Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> there are life bars. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually like Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know what? No, you know what? Last last minute thing. I I'm I'm actually just going to change it to that. Emmeline is racing on her own. Okay. She's using the race as, as an excuse to escape from her family. So yeah. like her 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 husband is like being all domineering, simultaneously domineering and neglectful to her, and her mother is being all controlling and nagging and stuff, and yeah. she can just say, you know what, I found this, she finds out about the race, like, you know what, I'm gonna remove myself from the situation, get myself two million dollars. Mm-hmm. Also, like, so, like, one of the other complaints was that these people aren't gonna have any extra money after this, like, no, they will absolutely have extra money, because they, imagine how much money they'll get from the interviews and the press circuit from talking about this race. Oh, Yeah. 
they're going to get so much money from just selling the story. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Should there be, at some point, someone getting high off of something a bit stronger than what they thought it was? What if, while Owen is wandering through the desert, he finds the cactus juice? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it's the quenchiest! Good old cactus juice. There was an implication that Owen and Meryl got together at the end, and that's extremely pair the spares, but also, like, it could help just flesh out both of their characters a little bit more. So, like, I know maybe give them some opportunities to actually expand on that. Like, I'm thinking maybe Meryl and Vera could stop by, like, take pity on him Mm -hmm. and drop him off at the truck stop. And they're like, but what if he beats us? Oh, it's fine. Like, what, do you think he's going to steal the bus full of Lucy's? But then he does. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, did you have any casting ideas? Um, I mentioned Ariana Grande. Yeah. Um, maybe Nick or Nikki, as I've been referring to her, can be Na- Naomi Scott mm-hmm. because <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then just to be incredibly obvious, we could have Kristen Stewart as Tracy. Yeah. I want. I want to see Kristen Stewart unhinged. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She she needs to be let loose. She has that sort of energy where you can tell there's a lot there, and she's just at the bit. Um, I feel like this is a movie for uh, Catherine McKenna from Ghostbusters, or Catherine... Oh, fuck. Kate McKinnon. Yeah, Kate McKinnon. Hmm, Kate McKinnon. I'm not sure who she would play, though, because Vera and Meryl have to stay black. Yeah. Um, and I don't think she's old enough to play Emmeline's mother. Oh, maybe she could be Emmeline herself. Yeah. But see, Emmeline was kind of like this young ingenue. Emmeline feels more like, um, Jayma Mays. Okay. Oh, but you know what? Since John Cleese is cancelled, Kate McKinnon could be the billionaire. Yes. (laughs) She is just in that sweet spot of cartoonish and Bond villain. Yeah, and I can extremely see her mimicking like and then just enhancing a lot of the body language that was going on when John Cleese was in the role like why would you have six strangers race for two million dollars because I'm eccentric (laughs) (laughs) and then like wait so it's a race uh yes a go commence moving Uh, technically you've been racing for two minutes and right now Mr. Schaefer is winning because he's the one closest to the door and everyone just kind of keeps staring at him because they still don't fully comprehend. And so then he just pulls out a gun and shoots it in the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, yeah. So, Kate McKinnon for Donna Sinclair. Yeah. Um, Donna Sinclair. So, for the referee. Well, who's the dad in uh, Fresh Off the Boat? Oh, yeah, Randall Park. Oh, he would be really good. Yes. Um, For Blaine and Dwayne. So, Blaine, I'm going to say, should be... Just want to make sure I know his name correctly. Sean Birdie, who's an actual deaf actor. Okay. Um, he was in Switch to Birth. He was in the Society. Okay. And then his brother, you know, Sean Birdie's a redhead. I know literally one other redhead in Hollywood. <laughs> Larry Saperstein from High School Musical: The Musical: The Series. Okay. And he's very much like a nerdy dork, but I feel like he could play a dirtbag pretty easily if he wanted to. There's quite a bit of crossover between nerd and dirtbag anyway so yeah <laughs> and then we said jama Mays. so whoa, we're, we're out here for the redheads then <laughs> yeah who could play vera who's today's Whoopi goldberg i feel like viola davis is too serious but so that's the thing viola davis do we want to see if she can cut loose maybe 
be this little flighty woo-woo, wears a lot of purple and, like, bejeweled brooches. I mean, it would look good on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, if we're getting Viola Davis, I feel like it would make a lot of sense, um, especially with the character, if Aja Naomi King was playing Meryl. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got the the rest of Emmeline's family who they wouldn't be appearing for very long. They'd like they'd show up in her episode for a bit and then they'd show up at the end as just like bitter because they didn't get her share of the money or anything. Mm -hmm. She has moved on without them. Yes. Maybe bring Dave Thomas back to reprise his role as Harold Grisham. Yes. Who should play Zach, the medical supply driver, who was formerly played by Wayne Knight? Seth Rogen? That would be funny because Seth Rogen was already in the... Oh, no. Oh, you said Seth Rogen. I was thinking Seth Green for some reason. (laughs) No, yeah, Seth Rogen would be a good pick. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the other characters are more minor. Yeah. Like, I feel like you could get Silas Weir Mitchell back as uh, Lloyd. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the Lucille Ball uh, cosplayers. It would be funny if we got some of them to repri- like some of the original Lucys to repri- reply- yeah, reprise their roles. Yeah. But I also think it would be fun if we got like some known drag queens in there oh yes i'm thinking scarlet envy and uh, monet exchange okay i feel like monet exchange has done lucy before actually at the very least i've seen her in a lucille style wig i mean she does the victory rolls really well what i'm saying is she could pull it off i think i think that's everything i've got okay for this um all right so i guess now we are just going to start the race to the friendship promo and go! Hi, I'm Dietrich. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. We're from the podcast That Song From That Movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. We want you to join us on our voyage across the cinematic sound waves as we take a deep dive on a new song and movie each week to figure out just what makes them tick. Already we've set sail with Celine Dion on the Titanic, found a friend in Toy Story, and gotten drenched out in the rain with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hopefully each breakdown allows us to answer the ultimate question of what's better, the movie or the song. Or at least learn something new along the way. Just like learning that Toy Story 4 is a meaningless cash grab without a soul. You can subscribe right now on all good podcast platforms. If you use one of the bad ones, then that's on you, and we can't be held responsible. Subscribe to that song from that movie. I forgot to mention um, the reason that Don Sinclair ends up at the like physically at the Smashball concert at the end is because when they lose contact with Harold to give them the play-by-play and they have no idea what's going on, they all fly down there. And so then there is a scene where they've like, they're, they're flying all wonky so that they can bet on who's going to get air sickness first. Oh, jeez. Um, anyways, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym 476 It's Lindsay spelled with an A and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? I just noticed on Wikipedia that instead of described as like a con artist or anything, Seth Green's character is described as a ne'er do well. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you can find me on Twitter at Sparky Upstart and Instagram at Sparky Young Upstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N I I R Y F Pod. Those are the letters for not if I boot you first, and they're pronounced like little cock doggies. <laughs> um. You can also email us at notinfiberbootyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and uh, your favorite lyrics to All-Star. Because, honestly, that's got to be featured. They do. There is actually a, a everyone sings along to All-Star at the end. 
Yeah. Well, they raise money. It's obligatory. Yep. Anyways, that's also where you can send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube or even your DeviantArt. Not if I reboot you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network and you can talk more about the show or others on the on the network via our Corner Podcast t- Discord. Our cover art, as always, is by Alex aka Pachu, when her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Cinnaboyne, and Métis. And last but not least, don't forget that you can buy this episode for yourself uh, with $2 million. It is not an NFT, it is just your name on a spreadsheet, but for a $5 donation to the North Central Family Center, it is a local charity for mine, Lindsay's Town of Regina, and there is a link in the description, we will declare that you are the owner of this episode, or any episode of our podcast that you so desire. So, Tanner. So, Lindsay. Uh, we don't have anything special, uh, scheduled f- specially for next week. No, but I do think it's your turn. Yes, it is. Yes, because we don't have a guest, so obviously it would be. (laughs) we don't have a guest. We don't have anything special coming up. Um, So how about we take a journey into a destination unknown of unadapted Agatha Christie novels? Fascinating. I don't know much about Agatha Christie, except one time there were alien hornets that were after her, and I don't think that's historically accurate. Well, she ended up with a cute archaeologist, so yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Well, we'll solve that mystery next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye!